The views, thoughts, and opinions expressed on this episode belong solely to the speaker and do not reflect the views of the speaker's employers, organizations, associated groups, or any sponsors of Mind and Design. While we are interested in moving the discussion of mental health forward and normalizing these topics, we are not mental health professionals. And more importantly, we're not your mental health professionals. If you're suffering from a mental health crisis, contact your doctors, call 911 for an emergency, or contact the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline 24 hours a day at 1-800-273-8255. All right, so I'm just going to get right into it. Um, okay. And I I love talking about theory and concepts and ideas, but I would love specifically to hear of a good concrete circumstance in your experience where I don't know if you were in an employee situation or a leader situation, but where there was some lacking to the leadership foundation and how did that cost the team? Like what, what did you guys lose out on because of that lack of strong leadership? All right. Hmm. I can't lie. Huh? Okay. Um, I mean, yeah, but obviously no, I don't have to say I'm who kidding. we don't, we don't I, want to get you in trouble. No, 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 I'm kidding. Um, and that I'm going through a Rolodex in my brain. Um, and we might want to go back to background later, my background later, just for something for you, Bobby, that you said. Um, I'm trying to think of lack of leadership. Like the worst boss in a creative working situation you've ever had. Just a total turd. Um, well, probably, you know, there was one. He, he just – he wasn't very friendly. I mean, there was no – well, there was no leadership. I'll just say there was no leadership. It was just like, hey, do this. And um, just no leadership whatsoever. And, I mean, I, I think um, – I think I said a few minutes ago, uh, a great leader sets the standards, number one, and then sets the environment. And this person did neither one of those. And the environment, excuse me, the environment was just to be creative. You have to let the reins loose a little bit. You got to have a little fun. You've got to, you know, expect some of the unexpected. You've got to be, you know. To me, a lot of creative people are smart asses and can take a joke. And, mm -hmm. and if you don't do either one of those, then you're going to have an issue uh, mm -hmm. or you're in the wrong business. And I can go on that in a little bit, but let me stay focused on this. And I mean, I remember in this department, there were maybe 10 or 12 of us and somebody was singing in their office. And it was just kind of floating out into the central office and he it went into his office and he just started, he was sitting at his computer and he was just going, no singing, no singing. We're not going to have any singing. <laughs> so, Man. No joy. No joy no in joy. that office. I mean, and really I'm trying to think of one time when he gave me creative leadership 
And I can't think of one time. And I know I was very young in my career, but I don't remember any leadership. It was just kind of, here's the work order, get this done. Yeah. Maybe because um, I was good or smart or just, um, I know I was just bugged the crap out of people. Just, you know, if you're not going to be good or smart, at least be persistent. And I think I was just persistent at that time. And I would just do work that was fairly good. And based on that work, I got into a better place, you know, um, where people did care for you, where they did come and talk to you. And, you know, they didn't say no to every idea that you had. Uh, this guy, he just seemed to like say no to, you know, almost anything you had or he would say, here's an idea. Why don't you go do this? And I hate doing that. <laughs> yeah. And it's almost like being creative is such a personal thing. And like you were saying, everybody has a different sense of taste or preference or whatever. And so if you don't make the room for people to be themselves and inject some of that personality into the workplace, you can't very well expect any of that personality in the work. Right, right. And I mean, um, I've worked at and flipping that on the, the, the other, the 180 degree side of people that were highly, um, highly, I'm going to say leadership driven or creative driven and inspired the staff. I worked at a place and it was pretty much run by the, by the, you know, insane people um we were at a big agency in tampa and we had the dream account in all of florida at public supermarkets and we had some older leadership they were probably you know younger than i am now but they were probably you know they were in their 50s and you know some people were in their 60s but then the creative staff was pretty much um except for the executive creative director who was probably in his 60s Everybody else was like 33, the, the creative directors who really did the work. And, you know, I was younger than that. I was, you know, 28, 29, 30. And, you know, we really ran the asylum. And our creative directors, they would just either say, wow, that's cool. Let's do it. Or, you know, or they would give us such precise, at the same time, freeing, freeing creative direction that we knew exactly what we had to get done, which really frees you up when you know exactly what the parameters are, you know, you know, you know, the sandbox you can play in. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we did great work all the time. I mean, all the time. Uh, and, you know, we worked hard and we partied hard. Uh, kind of the same thing with my, the agency that I had, I mean, we did just, Oh, can I say crazy ass shit? We just did. Yeah. Yes. I mean, not that the work was crazy ass. It was very, very good. I'm still proud. I still have a flat file filled with work, you know, the room behind me. And I can look back on even our day to day work was really, really good. Uh, but, you know, my partners and, and I, we just did crazy ass shit all the time. Showed up for the Monday morning meeting and we served margaritas to everybody at eight o'clock in the morning or. <laughs> 
one day my partner and I, when we moved into a new office and we had to check all the electrical outlets, we came in dressed as electric, you know, electrical guys with heavy belts around our waist <laughs> and just, we were constantly going into, this was before everything is so politically correct, especially women's offices and leaning over and checking the sockets to make sure that they worked and, you know, butt cracking everybody. Uh, but, you know, we were very, very serious about the work that we did, but we set that environment of, you know, let's be free, let's be fun. Um, and there were people in our office who didn't drink and, you know, they would just go, okay, you guys are crazy. We got to work now. Uh, but, um, yeah, there's got a to fine have that line. freeing atmosphere. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say there's a fine line because it's almost like the, the leader that you were describing a minute ago. I, I almost feel like some people are just, and I hate to use the term square, like they're just a square. And because I can't relate to the sort of chaoticness that comes with creative personality types, mm -hmm. they almost, it, it's not just a, a lack of understanding, but there's also a, a, like a bitterness or a resentment about it. Yeah. And I found that people like that tend to view creative types as a liability and people that need babysitting or handholding. Um, and I feel like that's where a lot of micromanagers come in, but there is, you have to figure out how to toe that line between giving people room to be themselves and to be the most interesting, you know, clever and fun version of themselves. that's going to help drive this work and actually like, yeah, getting work done and keep, you know, paying the yeah. bills, keeping the lights on all that yeah. stuff. And, and let me say, I think one thing I've never worked in a non ad agency environment. Well, I did a long-term stint in an insurance company um, for, you know, just months at a time. I think it was six months. Then um, we had our own department and there were probably 10 or 12 of us. But I think in, in, I think what one thing that has really changed is, you know, we are so business focused. All business leaders are looking, you know, they're looking at, dollars and cents, not on a long-term basis. They're looking every quarter and then every month and stuff like that. And to me, what a creative person has to do, if you're in a, a non-agency environment, is show how creativity or sh uh, can help them business-wise. You know, show how, uh, you know, if we, you know, look what, these guys did, and it affected, I'm, I'll just use GSU as an example. Look how it affected attendance uh, or uh, not attendance, um, admissions. Um, you know, they did this crazy thing. They did this crazy TikTok thing. And but look, they got 8000 responses. They they doubled, uh, you know, admissions, uh, you know, requests and stuff like that. Uh, go look for those kind of things. So that you can, that's how you're going to teach your administrators and the people above you that more creativity is actually a, uh, you know, it helps your business. Uh, I, there was a famous ad agency that, that is no longer around, but they, their first ad that they came out with said, finally, an ad agency that's dedicated to outsmart the competition rather than outspend them. And that goes right to the heart of every business person. 
How can we outsmart them? How can we get more results by spending less or not spending as much? And, you know, TikTok and YouTube and Facebook and, you know, you can do 50 TV, 50 spots, 50 videos, you know, for a thousand dollars or something. I'm making that up. Um, you know, and if they, you know, one doesn't work, get rid of it, go to the next one, you know, and keep on going. So, but, but I think that's, the, that's the real key is showing how great creative can help the bottom line. You know, first, I want to say something important. Um, it is hip to be square, Stephanie. Um, but besides oh, that, I had to put that in there. Um, yeah, when it's, I've been in situations before where I think this kind of led to my first burnout, actually, when it was going to design, where I wanted to leave the design field when I was under creative leadership that was so detached from reality that you're like, okay, how can, how am I supposed to be buying into this? And, you know, Kevin, when it comes down to um, that aspect, when you're in that creative leadership role, we talk a lot about advocacy on this channel. We talk a lot about, and we do in the counseling field a lot, advocacy for your client and everything. And I know things have changed. The work has tripled. We are learning, we're still learning how to operate online. A lot of agencies are starting to go more virtual. Right. Maybe a lot of places are starting to go more virtual. So when it comes to the needs of your actual team, how would you go about advocating for basic needs? We'll start with just basic needs. Basic, I mean, with and with people that are, you know, virtual. And yeah, I'll, I'll yeah. definitely say virtual because it does. There's okay. plenty of time. It's it. it yeah. And I mean, yeah, the whole world has gone upside down in the last few years. And I talk with my my ex agency partner quite a bit, who is the managing partner of a fairly large agency, and and he is asking me stuff. You know, I don't have a staff. I have all these subcontractors, uh, but I don't have a staff. But he's asking me how to, you know, in you know, influence and how to, you know, excite the staff when, you know, half of them aren't even there. And I think the only thing, the, the thing that in my last position at an agency, I had some people who were virtual. And I think it's just always re talking to them all the time. I, I think uh, I had one guy, you know, I'm based in Nashville. He was in Asheville. And... It's just, and then we had an office in, in Atlanta and an office in Jacksonville. And if you're not talking to people on a daily basis, it's just really, really tough. Even if there's nothing to say, even if you just, hey, let's Zoom for, you know, 10 minutes or let's, I'm going to call you, for, you know, for 10 minutes every day. And I know, you know, or let's do a group Zoom. Uh, you got to do something that builds cohesion and teamwork and a joie de vivre, uh, joy of life. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. And I, I, you know, that comes back to that environment part. Uh, I work for another agency and they have gone totally virtual. 
they went from 33,000 square feet to 5,000 square feet. Everybody works at home except for senior staff. And I'm curious to see how this is going to go long-term. I really am. Um, and, and because it's all about, you know, um, you know, influencing and, you know, getting people excited about, about work, you know? Yeah. And one of the things that you said earlier that I really appreciated about defining creative leadership had to do with loving the people that work for you and with yes. you. And I, I think a component of that, at least from where I sit, especially, well, to give you the context, especially in like an in-house situation, Bobby and I both happen to be in in-house roles in our jobs right now. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> the, the pros and the cons. Um, so I think agency life is a little bit different. And, and I'm curious as to your perspective, since most of your background comes from more of an agency setting, but it seems to both Bobby and I that there it's it's a struggle to maintain the balance when it comes to expecting output that, like you said, needs to meet certain standards um, or needs to be handled in a certain way and nurturing that source of your output. And it can be really tricky, I think, to balance the needs of everyone else in the company right. with the needs of your team. And I would love to hear your perspective on on doing that. And when there is an imbalance, how you can advocate for the team and maybe write that balance back to where it needs to be. And, and you're talking specifically creative people versus non-creative people or or getting when you say advocate. I think, I mean, I think it could be in either circumstance because I think even amongst just creative types, like there's always going to be a power dynamic and a pecking order amongst a group of folks. And so sometimes it might even be a little bit more of a, you know, a micro situation locally where you've got some sort of, you know, ego dispute or power dispute in between colleagues, but but yeah, to answer your question, when I was originally, when Bobby and I were originally speaking about the question, we were thinking more of like balancing the needs between your team and everybody else's teams and how to how to keep your people afloat when everybody else is pretty needy. Yeah, uh, that's a tough one in our environment today. Uh, and I think I think if I had the whole answer, then. Uh, I'd be talking on, N- on N- MSNBC today instead. <laughs> Nothing against your podcast. Um, I don't know if right. I have an answer. We're, we're too early into this. And I think it's going to take a few, I think a few years it's going to shake out and we're going to come back to more in-person work. Um, but to and not, even not, in an in-person setting, like sometimes yeah. advocating for your team just means fighting for an idea that you really believe in that right. you're getting pushback on. Right. Well, I think uh, the first thing I would say is, you know, set your standards and set the process um, of, of how the work is going to go. Then when you get the idea, you have to do a rationale of, of the idea. Go back to, you know, 
your strategy. Why are you doing this? What is the objective of the whole of the whole project? What are you trying to do? So then your rationale, you know, should hit each one. You know, you should you should have, you know, three points, five points. Uh, I do mine pretty simple that just say it works because it's, you know, it's color green and you asked for it to be the color green. It has to do this and it does that. It has to do this. It gets attention. It's attention getting all those kind of things. You have to, you know, rationalize it. And then I would say, um, you know, find some similar examples of, you know, of something that's somewhat similar that that worked or that makes it, you know, because when people see something they've never seen before, they're scared of it. But if they see mm -hmm. something they can grasp, then they go, oh, I get it now. Um, yeah. And I'm, I don't know if that's a cop out or not, but that's that's the way I would do it. And it sounds like, you know, you guys are up against some strong forces. Uh, I mean, well, we don't mean against. to be dramatic. Yeah, I mean, but we naturally are dramatic. But. but the other the other thing I would say is push it as far as you can. And then, you know, if it's not going to go, it's not going to go. And then, you know, there's more than one idea uh, in the world here. Uh, That's true. I would also say present more than one idea. I I never present less than three unless it's some kind of emergency situation or it's so simple, you know, yard signs. OK, this is all you're getting for this yard sign. But, you know, nobody can really judge how good of an idea, how good an idea is if you just show them one. But if you show them three, then they're going, oh, I like that one because of this. I like this one because of that. And I like this one because of that. Um, then and don't give them any straw dogs because they're going to pick the clunker. They're always going to pick that one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and that you're going to go, oh, shoot, they picked the one that we hate, you know. Um, <laughs> you know, my my ex-partner and I, we had a very, very scientific, well, I'll, I'll say this. This is what we did. In over 10, in 10 years of owning an agency um, and working with small to fairly large clients, our largest clients paid us $4 million a year, so that was a big client for us. Um, but we had a very scientific way of how we selected the work that was going to the client that we were going to present. And he and I would I would look at all the work and winnow it down. And then we would get to the three to five campaigns or whatever we were showing. And he and I would get in a room by ourselves. And it would just be he and I. And we would always want to know which is the one that we're going to really push or stand behind, and then what are the other ones that are also very good? They're not straw dogs. They're just very good as alternatives. And what we would do is this very scientific thing. We would sit there and look at them all, and we would go, one, two, three, pick. And that's what we would do. And nine times out of ten, we were both on the same one. Uh, very scientific, isn't it? But, That's funny. Uh, it's, I mean, it's so easy to overthink stuff like yeah, that. It, it is. actually is a really good system. Like just what does your gut say? But then the, the thing that we did after that is we just rationalized the hell out of it of why this was so, <laughs> why all of them were so good. <clears throat> um, and you know, going back to the strategy, this is what, you know, we're supposed to be doing. 
This is the message you're supposed to communicate. This is why this is strong. And I've found over and over again, when I do a rationale of all the creatives sitting in front of me, the good ones just rise to the top. And even the ones that you love, you're going, holy crap, this doesn't do anything that we're supposed to be doing. So you either have to kick it out or if it's that super special idea that rises above the strategy and go, you can say it doesn't hit the strategy, but it's so damn good. It's coming at the thing in such a different way that we have to show it. You, you just have to do it. And yeah. I've been fortunate to be in that situation a few times. So I don't know. And yeah. then advocating for your people. I guess I said, talk to your people every day. Uh, build the environment. And it's hard to build an environment in a virtual world. Um, yeah, it is. But, yeah, I think you, you definitely have something there with even just communicating the, with them often enough that you know what's going on in their world. And so you're better able to support them. Yeah. Yep. Um, I and, think. And the, the, the flip side of that is so they can see you supporting them. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. This episode of Mind and Design was created and distributed with Anchor. Big thanks to Anchor for providing an easy platform to create and share with the world on. If you're interested in starting your own podcast, fire up a browser window and hit up anchor.fm to check it out.